Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Aren't you thankful you're in the house of God today? Amen. We welcome you and we thank you for being here. And um, it's wonderful to feel the presence of God. And it's great to be together. We want to continue to pray for those that... Uh, are still fighting some sickness, and we just ask God to strengthen them. Amen. We're believing and trusting the Lord. Amen. He's already done some mighty good things, so let's continue to pray uh, that God would just bring us all the way out full circle. (laughs) Amen. Let's come out of this. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to join me this morning. Um, We're going to center our thoughts around Uh, Our subject today being victorious. I'm thankful for the victory of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for the victory that God brings into all of our lives. I'm I'm very appreciative that we are not victims, but we are victors, not because of our own uh, abilities and strengths, but because God has granted us that. The 17th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel tells the story of Israel being held hostage by the Philistines. And of course, in our opening focus prayer this morning, uh, the, the character at the center of that subject is the man by the name of David. And so we find now David being introduced to us on a completely new and different level. This was not just a, a, a one-time encounter that the Philistines were, that the Israel was facing with the Philistines. They had faced them many times, but in the course of this one single event, the Bible says that Goliath had presented himself before Israel for 40 days. The Philistines and all of their, of their army, but in particular Goliath had presented himself to them 40 days. In that presentation, if you're familiar with the story, in that presentation we know that Goliath was saying many things not only to David or to Saul and to the men of Israel, but he was trying to demoralize them, send me a man that we might fight together. He began to mock them. It was the standoff of the ages. But just as David faced the giant that day, I believe that we will face battles in our lives and sometimes they even seem insurmountable. Amen. I don't mean to to sound uh, negative today, but we have faced situations that we didn't know. If we were going to survive, amen. I know that there are times in in the beginning of of a crisis, we may have the wind knocked out of us. We may gather ourselves back together and feel like everything's going to be all right. We're back on track. We're back on course. But we can also find those waves that overwhelm us and pull us off our feet again, time and time again. So just like David, we, we will and have faced things in our lives. But in the midst of the battle, That's where we have to decide if I am going to give up or if I'm going to press on. Amen. Would you just feel comfortable enough to raise your hand if you've ever been there? You had to decide 
Am I going to give up? Am I going to give in? Or am I going to press on? Human nature at times tells us it would be easier to stop than it would to be to keep walking, just to give up, give in, to sit down rather than to take up our sword and continue to fight. But it's in those moments we need to consider words like we find in 1 Samuel 17 and 47. It's here that the scripture says, and all of this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Amen. The battle is not ours. The battle is not within our power often to, to, uh, to find victory in and of ourselves, but the battle is the Lord. The term, the battle, that's a very relative term because it could speak of many things and all of us have a race to run and all of us fight and battle different things in our lives. And so the battle, it could speak of many things. One of the battles that we all face as human beings is the spirit of temptation. Again, we, could, we can break that down. Temptations come in many ways. We all fight it because we're human. The Bible assures us that temptation will come, but we have to understand this, that temptation in and of itself is not a sin, but it's succumbing to temptation. That is what leads to sin. The action that temptation requires, that's, that's what defeats us is when we act upon the things that we are tempted with because we all struggle with something that tempts us. I want to destroy your confidence in people around you, but everybody's tempted in some area of their life. In 1 John 2 and 16, the word of God puts, the, puts temptation to us in three categories. He said we are tempted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And those are three things that none of us, as long as we have breath, will ever be able to escape. The lust of the flesh. When, when fleshly desires take priority in our lives over God's will, they cause us to violate the righteousness of God's law. They become then more than just a temptation, but it, it becomes a lust. For example, hunger is a wonderful thing. It's a, it's a horrible thing if you lose your appetite and cannot eat. And uh, it, that can become critical because it leads to many, many other things. And so... Eating is something that you must do. And sometimes when you're sick, that's the last thing you want to do. And that's what everybody's trying to get you to do. And you don't want anything to eat. And they start listing down all the things. Would you like this? Would you like that? Would you like something else? Because somebody understands the value of nutrition. But at the same time, while hunger is not only a good thing, but it is critical to our survival and it's critical to our overall health, if hunger becomes a lust for food, then it turns into gluttony. And Solomon talks about that in, in chapter 23 of Proverbs, which becomes a sin. So we have got to make sure that these battles that we face and the temptations that we face stay in check. The Bible talks about the lust of the eyes, viewing is, is something that can be spiritually unhealthy, whether viewing the wrong thing, whether that is on uh, the internet or television or anything that's unhealthy, viewing anything that's unhealthy. I've said many times, you can't help what you see when you're riding down the road, but you don't have to circle the block. That's when it gets unhealthy, when we start looking again, because the eye is the gateway of the soul, and I gotta be careful what I allow 
I've got to be very careful. I know we have just a few things in our mind that we we kind of have carved out, and and um, you know we think, well, we would not watch that, or we wouldn't do this, or we wouldn't do the other. But you got to be careful what you read as well. I remember some many years ago now, I guess it's probably longer ago than I'm thinking, but I remember purchasing a book. I have often motivated to buy books by the title, and I don't think I'm alone in that, but the title caught my attention. The subject matter seemed to catch my attention, but I bought that book, and as I began to read, I just felt a spirit of darkness as I began to read that book. And at first, I just thought it was me. I just thought, well, maybe I'm not, I'm not understanding this. And so I continued to read another chapter or two, and I thought, you know what? There is something here that's not healthy. I don't really understand. I think the overall subject is not a bad subject, but there's just something here, and I, I, I was obedient. I'm testifying. I'm not boasting. I'm just testifying that, that it's not just something that's going to be on your phone, not just something on your iPad, not just something on your computer. Amen. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be something illicit, but it, it, we need to be sensitive and discerning to say, Lord, I want to be careful because the eye is the gateway of my soul. I don't want anything there that should not be there. Job in chapter 31 of verse one, Job said that he made a covenant with his eyes that he would not look upon a maid. Amen, I believe that we can make a covenant with our eyes that we're not gonna look upon anything that's gonna be unhealthy for us. The third thing that, that John lists was the pride of life. Now the pride of life, that, that's far more subtle and that's far more undetectable at first. It can start out very, very small because this temptation uh, could lead us to, to having a spirit of, of, uh, of arrogance or the craving of power or position. And uh, if we're not careful, uh, if we're not careful, we have, we'll, we'll fail to understand that pride is like a seed. And most all seeds, starts, it's a small thing. But it can grow into something very, very powerful. And you, we can abuse the influence that God has allowed us to have or that life has afforded us. And if we leave that unattended, then it, I promise you, will mature and to grow, grow into actions that can take us down. Not only destroy us, but destroy others as well. I want you to understand, we say it often, but not often, we will never say it too often, that spiritual warfare is a real thing. That's not just something that you face every now and then, but spiritual warfare is going on in the atmosphere right this very moment. Amen, spiritual warfare is real. I, I, while I say that, I don't think that we should look by, for the devil behind every bush or everything that goes wrong is the devil, but spiritual warfare is certainly real. And we have to be aware not only of the power of Satan, but I think we should also be aware of the limitations of Satan. Because Satan is a fallen angel. And his favorite tactic is to make us think he's more powerful than he really is. Amen. He is the most perfect picture. He is perhaps the most perfect picture of pride. He attempted to exalt and promote himself above God. And I will tell you that that led to him not only being cast out of heaven, but we can read later when Jesus came out of the wilderness after fasting 40 days and nights that Satan himself tempted Jesus himself. 
And he began to offer him things. If you'll bow down, I'll give you all of this. He was offering him something that didn't, that not only didn't belong to him, it already belonged to the, to the one he's trying to offer it to. So I'm telling all that to say this, that if Satan would try to attack Jesus himself, then we would be foolish to think he wouldn't show up in our heart, in our mind, in our home. Amen. Amen, amen. So it's very, very important that we keep our pride under check. Be careful. Be careful. Amen. I've quoted this before, but a NASCAR racer, former NASCAR racer champion, Darrell Waltrip said to others, if you remember him in his heyday, he was very pompous. He was very arrogant not just in the race car, not just on the track, but he was just a very arrogant man. But later, as life began to whittle him down, he said in an interview one time, he said, I would have been nicer to people on my way up if I had known how fast I was going to meet them on my way back down. (laughs) So be careful. So no matter what floor you're staying on tonight, the elevator still goes down. (laughs) Amen. We need to remember that God, not Satan, but God is the only one that's omnipotent or all-powerful. That God is the only one that is omnipresent, everywhere present. And God is the only one that is omniscient, all-knowing. Amen. The devil would love to have all of those attributes and he would love to convince us that he has all of those attributes. But I just want to stand and tell you that he never has, comma, and he never will. He is not omnipotent. He is not omnipresent. He is not omniscient. Hallelujah. And so we need to understand the power of the devil, but we need to understand the limited, the limitation that the devil has, the limited power that he has. We, we face many battles in life. Some people, even in this church and others, face sickness. And I'm not talking about just a, a temporary thing, but long-term, perhaps, battles that we go through to endure physical sickness many times that becomes a daily struggle just to preserve any measure of normalcy in life and it can seem like it's an unending battle but I'm going to tell you that God the God that was with David on a literal battlefield and the God that will be with us in seasons of temptation is the same God that can keep us and preserve us when we are walking through a valley low and if I may be as bold to declare today while I believe that God is a healer will always preach that he's a healer I know that he's a healer because he has healed me and others in my life I also know that there are some people that will walk with things their whole entire life amen their entire life it may not be popular to say this but let me tell you today that if your lot in life is to have to adjust daily God is going to be there he's going to strengthen us amen he is going to sustain us he's going to give us power for the battle that we face the battle's not always a sword the battle's not always a shield the battle is not always not always weapons of warfare in that regard but whatever we face God will be with us we have faced battles in, in, in times and seasons of our lives where we have been disappointed in relationships that we have amen it can manifest themselves in many many ways we can go through seasons of a broken home 
There may be families here that are, are here or will, are, are joining us online or will join us later online that, that have walked through seasons of being estranged from your children or close friendships perhaps, people that you thought were in your life to stay. You couldn't imagine a day in your life, a season of your life without them, but just somewhere, an event or a twist or a turn in the road of life and it breaks that relationship. And often we don't understand why these things happen we may try to blame ourselves and as a result of that we might fight several several different emotions as we struggle through those those seasons but I want to tell you the heartbreak of being separated from people that you love the heartbreak of being away from or estranged from people that you always thought would be there in your life can be one of the greatest disappointments but we're serving a God that'll be a companion when we need a companion he'll be a friend when we need a friend hallelujah he'll be a comfort when we need comforting we have found him to be that the truth is this, we all face battles. Not unlike the battle between Israel and the Philistines. As I mentioned a moment ago, they've been now in a 40-day standoff when David steps onto the scene. Young David told Saul that no one should be afraid of this uncircumcised Philistine. As Brother Larry mentioned this morning in our opening prayer, he seemed to be the most unlikely voice in the crowd. The king was surprised that a man, a young man, a man so young, would even think it possible that he could take on such a mighty warrior. But it was with great confidence that David said, The Lord is able to deliver me. And the reason I know God is able to deliver me and all of us from this circumstance is because he he delivered me out of the paw of a lion and he delivered me out of the mouth of a bear. And if the Lord can deliver me from that, amen, then he can deliver us from what we're facing right now. David's confidence was not so much in himself. I'm sure David, if he didn't own a mirror as we know mirrors today perhaps, but even if he didn't, when he walked by the still waters, he knew how tall he was. He knew, he knew what size of an individual he was, certainly facing and standing in the shadow of Goliath. And so his confidence wasn't in his size, his ability or expertise at war, but he said, I'm gonna tell you that the God that was with me yesterday is God that'll be with me today. And can I just tell you this morning, and that what propels us forward is the knowledge that the God that was with us in our yesterdays is the God that's with us in our todays and he will be with us in our tomorrows. So we're not standing here with arrogance. We're not standing here with pride in ourselves, but we're saying God who helped me then is God who will help me now. He's not a respecter of persons. He's not a respecter of battles. He's not a respecter of the size of the enemy. He will be with us. Paul to the Ephesian church reminded us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and against rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm gonna tell you that the battles we face whether they are literal battles or spiritual battles God will be with us nevertheless. Amen. Surely we understand how keenly aware that Saul was that David was now offering to go up against a formidable enemy, Goliath, 
was not just big and strong, but Goliath was experienced. He knew what he was doing. I was talking to a man Friday night, a pastor friend. He was talking about his 14-year-old son that has been wrestling. And he said, well, I thought, you know, I'm much larger than him, much stronger than him. And he said, well, I'll wrestle. He was trying to get his brother to wrestle him, and his brother wouldn't do it. So the daddy said, well, I'll wrestle with you because he looked at me and he said, well, I mean, I'm looking at me compared to him. I know I can take him. And he said, I got him down. And before I knew it, just in a flash, he said, he had me on my back and he was sitting on my chest. You can imagine the pride of a 14-year-old boy at this point. <laughs> You're not going to get him out of an ordinary door at that moment, that's for sure. So the daddy said, my pride was bruised. My ego was a little bit wounded. So he said, let's try that again. So he said, now, buddy, I'm ready. I know what's, I know what's coming. So he said, I got him. And sure enough, just like the first time, he said, I got him on the ground. And he said, before I knew it, he did the same move. And I was on my back and he was sitting on my chest. The difference wasn't size. The difference wasn't strength. The difference was experience. Amen. And so Goliath, I understand his height. And I understand what a shadow he would cast. That's just part of the equation. He was experienced. David had none of the above. He didn't have the size. He didn't have the ability to cast much of a shadow, comparatively speaking. But he And he didn't have the experience. But Saul, and Saul is standing there looking at a, a young man that says, but we can do this. Amen. Saul offered him his armor. He said, you, you're going to need this. But David said, I can't go into battle. I can't go into this because it is not proven. It's untried. I, I've never even put this on. We, we could understand logistically that it wouldn't even fit him, but that's not what he was talking about. That's not what David said. He wasn't saying it's the wrong size. If, if it was the right size, I would put it on Saul. That's not what he was talking about. He said, this is unproven. I have something over here that is proven, and this is where I'm going to tonight. This is where I'm going to today. Amen. To David, the armor was not only new, but it was unfamiliar. To David, his, the armor wasn't just heavy, but it was awkward. I've never been here before. And so I'm going to set this down and I'm going to go back to what I know works. Can I have, have somebody help me today? Amen. Sometimes we have people in our life that say we ought to try this or we ought to try that. Have you ever thought about this or have you ever thought about that? Sometimes we have to just push all that aside and say, you know what? I'm just going to do what I know works. I'm just going to take what I know. I'm going to take the medication that I know will work. His word has never let me down. His word has never failed to come through when I needed it. Hallelujah. I am going to trust him. I'm going to stand on his everlasting, unyielding, unbending word. I'm going to stand on that word. Amen. No, David wasn't accustomed to the protocols of the army, but he was familiar with the protection of God. Amen. And so we got to expend, we got to, we have got to depend on our own faith experiences when we come to the battles of life. David humbly reminded the king, 
I want to just remind you that he has given me victory in the past and he will give me victory again. He assured the king that he would give him victory, not just him, but all of Israel, victory over the giant. He knew that he could not enter that battle with untried protection. I'm going to tell you, when the battle is raging, that's not the time to pull out a new sword. That's not to try, that's not the time to try something that's unproven. That's not the, that's not the time to reach down and try something newfangled. But I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to depend on what I know works. He took off the armor. Amen. He laid it down. Thank you, sir, but no thank you. And he made his way to a brook because he had been to a brook before. He reached down and picked up five stones because he had had stones in his hand before. He pulled out his sling because I've had this in my hand before. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you tonight today rather that when it comes time I want to reach down to what I know is familiar I've had this in my hand before I've knelt in an altar of prayer before I know what it feels like to feel the presence of God in my life I'm going there again I'm going there again devil you're going to have to keep this world you're going to have to keep that I'm going to a place that's already tried I'm going to a place that's already proven Praise God. Praise God. We face challenges with courage because we have past victories. We have testimonies. If God did it once, he'll do it again. And so as we face these great battles in our lives, we've got to remember that God's protection gives us the confidence that we have and need. God's promises. He said, I'll never leave you. I'm preaching to people that could certainly say amen to that. He's never left us. He said, I'll never forsake you. Amen. And we've got some people that can say amen to that. You see, you can read that scripture, but if you just read that scripture, it's ink on a piece of paper. But when you walk a few miles with him and life has let you down and people have let you down and circumstances have let you down and dreams have been crushed to dust. We look up and we see that while everybody else may have walked away, the Lord was still with us. Amen. When everybody else wasn't there when we needed them, God said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And that gives us courage and confidence for the next time. And so the next time we feel alone or the next time we are alone, We know one thing is for sure. I'm just one hallelujah away from being reminded that my king and my savior, my Lord and my host is with me. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. Goliath scoffed at David's size for coming into a battle with no spear or no sword. But David just started comparing the giant's weapons against the power of the name of the Lord. And he confidently, and I would even say prophetically spoke about what is about to unfold. In verse number 46, he said, this day, this is a kid, am I right? This is a teenage boy that's looking at a well-worn, formidable giant that said, this day the Lord will deliver thee into my hand. And he went on to say in the latter part of that verse, and all the, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Sir, you picked a bad day to get out of bed. 
You picked a, day, a bad day to walk out to the battlefield. You picked a bad day to come out and say, send me a man that we might fight together. You picked a bad day to come talk about my God. I just got a word, a prophecy for you. Today, God is going to deliver you, and today, all of Israel is going to know there is a God. Hallelujah. I want to tell you this morning, I remember hearing Sister Vesta Mangan, I remember hearing Sister Vesta Mangan say one time when she was teaching some where she said we ought to live such a life that every day we get up the devil says oh no they woke up again they got out of the bed again David said sir you picked a bad day to get up because today today you're mine David assured that Goliath that everybody that's standing here is not only going to see a victory but they're going to know there is a God that is in Israel a God in Israel hallelujah In like fashion, I believe that God has given us the tools that we need to fight. He has equipped us with armor for spiritual protection. We can read about that armor in Ephesians 6. He's given us what we need to fight against powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. He's given us what we need to fight against spiritual wickedness in high places. God's armor consists of two components. There's a defensive aspect and there's an offensive aspect. Defensive tools protect us against the enemy. It's it's very, very important to help us survive the battle to have defensive tools. But offensive weapons help us to push forward in battle. If there was no offensive weapon, we would certainly feel helpless. A team, a football team, has got to have a defensive side. They've got to have a defensive team. But you can't just win a war or you can't just win a game by defending yourself against the enemy. You've got to have an offensive line. You've got to have an offensive team that says we're not just going to keep the ball from going this way. Somebody's got to take it that way. Amen. Somebody's got to take it to the goal. Somebody's got to win. And God said, I'm going to equip my church. And we're not just going to be defensive. We're not just going to stand and just try to hold on what we got. But we're going to march into the enemy's camp. And we're going to take back what the enemy has stole from us. That's the power. That's the power of the church. The offensive tools that we have been given is the, is the sword of the spirit or the word of God. Never discount the word of God because the Bible, the Bible is the most powerful and effective weapon that we have against the enemy of our soul. The, the, the word of God is alive. It cuts. It cuts asunder between the soul and the spirit. It exposes our innermost thoughts. The word of God. No other weapon can compare to the word of God. Jesus used the word of God. When the enemy, I mentioned a moment ago, when the devil brought temptation to him, when he came out of the wilderness, he didn't stand there and argue with him. What a powerful principle. (laughs) He didn't stand there and argue with him. He just began to quote the word, quote the word. Hallelujah. He quoted the word of God. Our word is our greatest weapon. And I believe that when we speak God's word, we begin to pull from all kind of forces of eternal weight and value. It's important not to just speak the word, but I believe that we ought to learn how to pray the word. Amen. Pray the word. How many have ever done that? Amen. Amen. We've been in prayer, just in prayer. And I, I didn't really know what to say. I didn't really know how to form words. So I just got out my Bible and I just started praying the word of God. Amen. Pleading for the power of his word, the power.
power of his blood. Amen. My vocabulary is falling short. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. My knowledge is falling short. My ability is falling short. But I've got something that's not short. I've got something that won't fall short. I've got something that won't miss the mark. And so when I don't know what to say, I'm going to open my Bible and I'm just going to remind the Lord and I'm going to remind hell. I'm going to remind myself, this is what you told me in your word and I stand upon your word. I stand upon your word. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, never doubt it. Never doubt it. Never doubt it. But when David stood there that day, some, some may think that he was standing there without a sword. Some may look at that sling and those stones and think he was standing there, bless his heart, without a sword. He had a sword. He had a sword larger. He had a sword more powerful. He had a sword more deadly than the sword that Goliath was holding because he had the word of God on his side. He said, today, today, all of Israel is gonna know there is a God in their midst Everybody, the world is going to be able to stand and see it because he pulled out a sword, not from a sheath, but from that word that was hidden in his heart. Amen. So no matter the area in which we struggle, we have a powerful weapon in our possession if we have the word. Amen. We have the word, the word living in us, but we have the spirit of God living in us as well. David faced this giant with confidence because God had proven himself in the past. And so we have that confidence because we have a past. And if you're sitting here today and you don't have a past, keep walking because you soon will have a past. And it won't be just the preacher's message. It won't just be your friend's message. It won't be your aunt and uncle's message, your mom and dad's message, but it'll be your message that God came through right on time. When he failed, David, of course, as has been illustrated countless times, as David loaded that sling with one stone and he let that stone go, I believe that not only did God guide that stone, but God propelled that stone. <laughs> you read in your Bible and you'll see that the Bible says that that stone hit him in the forehead and sunk. Wasn't a glancing blow. Amen. When that happened, he went to the ground and David took Goliath's own sword and cut his head off. And God used that enemy's weapon against him. You see, when God is on our side and when we trust him and when we put him first, he will guide our hands in the battle. Goliath's head, he took Goliath's head, which was customary. It wasn't just being barbaric. It was customary as a trophy of God's faithfulness. He took that back in proof, as proof. Amen. Enough said. I mean, there's, there's little to say if you bring back the head of the enemy. You bring back his little finger, you might still have problems. You bring back just one of his sandals, may still have issues the next day. But when you come walking in the camp with his head, everybody's going to sleep that night because we're taking the head off of this thing. Amen. I will close with this. France and Britain declared war on Germany during Hitler's aggressive campaign. 
a man that we recognize from history by the name of Winston Churchill became, became Britain's prime minister just before the war broke out. In his first speech as prime minister, Churchill said to the people, he said, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. Little did he know how, how somewhat prophetic those words were. Little did he know that that's exactly what this impending war was going to require. In July of 1940, German planes began bombing with, with such force that the British people were sure to be destroyed. There's no way we can survive this. The air raids pummeled Britain for three consecutive months. Day in and day out, day in and day out. The future, of course, looked grim. But in an effort to keep the spirits of the British people high, Winston Churchill would give stirring speeches. Many of you have read a, a lot about this in, in school or even afterwards in history, in history books. But Churchill gave some very stirring speeches. He would, he would give speeches on the radio or he would give speeches in, in the parliament and he was just doing everything within his power to keep the spirit of the people as high as possible. In the meantime, he was working to, to, with, with others and, and the United States has won to provide air supplies and, and planes to their allies. After five long years, Germany finally surrendered in 1945. During the war, Winston Churchill earned the name the British Bulldog. He earned that name because of his never give up, never quit attitude and his ability to rally people when it just seemed all hope was gone. Interestingly, in 1939, before the war broke out, a slogan became popular to bolster the people's morale during their dark days ahead. Somebody was thinking ahead. The British government printed posters with this slogan that says, keep calm and carry on. Keep calm and carry on. Now, ironically, these posters were never distributed and eventually only a handful of them even survived. Years later, one of the flyers was discovered in a bookstore in England and the image then became iconic of the 20th century. But although the words did not originate with Winston Churchill, the famous World War II poster that you're seeing, Keep Calm and Carry On, has been associated with his spirit and his leadership during the war. I believe if we could come right back here tonight, today, I don't know why I'm stuck in the night. <laughs> if we could come back here this morning, I believe that this is what David was really trying to say, if we could kind of put that in a more modern terms, when he walked in and walked up on the battle that day, just keep calm and carry on. He couldn't understand why the children of Israel were afraid. Why are you hiding behind rocks and behind trees? That's what the scripture describes as people were hiding. Men of war were hiding. Why are you hiding? Don't you understand who's fighting for you? Amen. I would ask you today as we stand... Keep calm. Carry on. Well, we don't know about tomorrow. That's all right.
just keep calm and carry on. Because God that brought us to this very August 1st day of 2021 is the same God that's going to carry us on. Amen. He's the same God that's going to carry us on. And so we're going to keep calm and we're going to carry on. Amen. If the Lord will give us strength, if the Lord will make provision, we're going to be right back here Wednesday night. Amen. And we're going to be calm and we're going to be carrying on. I'm not going to get my eye on Fox News. I'm not going to sit and warm my hands around CNN. I'm not, I'm not just going to build my life around what the world is saying. I'm going to build my life around this. That no matter what we face, no matter what we face, God said, I will be with you all the way. I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. Why don't we lift our hands across this building and thank him. Lord, I love you today. Almighty God, I magnify your holy and your righteous, your incredible name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.